So I have to, I have to follow the guy in the suit that preached really good and convicted me, and then I have to get up here. I thought at first I thought Marlon's place after lunch was the hardest, but I think mine might be. Thanks, James. And you know, James, uh, he's a, he lives that. He's a godly, godly husband. So um, I'm sure he's not perfect, but he lives that out. So thank you for that. With that said, we're going to look at the book of Ephesians again, except chapter 6, verse 4 will be my text this morning. And my title is Parenting, a Biblical Method. Now, I love to preach and teach on parenting, not because I'm good at it, not because I'm some kind of expert, okay, I want to make that crystal clear. I love to address and talk about and teach about this issue and prepare. Uh, That's where it really comes into my heart, and as I apply it, as I prepare, I feel like I grow as a parent, and so the the process of study and meditation and thinking about my own practices and how they line up, I am so helped whenever I do this. So, but not, not that I'm doing this from purely selfish motives, as you know, we're watching, we're watching the breakdown of our society. And there is no subject that is more urgent in dealing with this problem today than parenting. And so it's with this conviction I bring this message. My text this morning will be Ephesians 6, 4. And this is... God's word. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray for the Lord's help. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for uh, the challenge from James, and Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would continue to bless the ministry of the word from this pulpit this morning through uh, this text and through uh, looking at the subject of parenting. And thank you for everybody that's here and even grandparents and single people and uh, help us all understand it's profitable. All God's word is profitable to all God's people. But I especially pray pray for the parents that you would minister your word powerfully to our hearts. Lord, so that we, we can leave more committed to the biblical method. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. A few weeks ago, I was at state cross-country meet in Kearney, and between races, I was sitting under a, a, a tree for shade, and sitting there in front of me was a man with some children. And he was the lone adult in charge of four or five kids, maybe three to seven years old. And I was watching them. He was playing very wildly with them and even encouraging wild kind of behavior, and they were getting pretty wild. Well, at one point, one one of the kids threw a full water bottle and hit him in the face. At that point, he realized that he better get these kids under control 
and some parenting needed to kick in. And the tactic he used surprised me, although I admit it was effective. He told the kids that since they were misbehaving, he was going to leave them there when he left, and someone else could take them home. But then he said, but you guys are so naughty, I don't think anybody wants to take you home. And I sat there and looked at these kids, and I saw this four or five-year-old look at him with terror in his eyes. He had their attention. And you know what happened? The kids started behaving. They were brought back into line. He manipulated their behavior with fear, and it was effective. Is that good parenting? He got it successfully done, right? We want kids to behave. Do methods matter? What is the goal? Is it just to get kids to outwardly conform to a certain behavior? If it is, if that's the goal, then we might say this man's tactic was on point. Or is the goal to shape the child's heart into the image of Christ? Then fruit of that being godly behavior. I would submit to you that the goal of Christian parenting is to honor God by bringing up children who will honor the Lord from the heart. That's the goal of Christian parenting. So then I hope you see, I hope you're getting the point that methodology then is very important. If we're going to honor God in our parenting, if we're going to shape our child's heart into the image of Christ, we must bring our methods under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I hope you're seeing that connection. Now, as long as we have the right goal established, then we might say that this gentleman's cure for changing these little kids' behavior under that tree might have been worse than the crime. It is possible, it is possible to do more harm than good if our methods are not wise. Now, we can pick up all kinds of kids' resources today. There is a plethora of options out there. And one that I, was popular a while back, I don't know how it sits today on the charts, but the reward system, you know, uh, parents, we're not going to deal with negative or bad behavior at all. We're going to ignore it. We're going to act like it doesn't even happen. We're not going to discipline or punish. We're just going to reward good behavior. Every time we see good, we're going to reward it. We're going to praise it. We're going to give uh, prizes away. We're going to reward good behavior. Now, I would ask, what, are, what is that kind of method? Manipulation, we might call it. What kind of method is that? And what is that teaching these kids? I would say, maybe when mommy's around, I do good stuff, so I get rewarded. Maybe a, a, a selfish motive that, hey, I want to appear like I'm doing a lot of good things 
So I get rewarded and I get praised. And I like when mommy praises me. But when mommy's not around, that seems like a wasted waste of time. We want to teach our children to honor God as Christians, and that demands a biblical methodology. As Christians, we're not interested in mere behaviorism or moralism. We understand that the Christian faith is a heart issue. It's a matter of the heart. Jesus said, out of the heart come all these sinful, wicked deeds. The Bible teaches in Proverbs, out of the heart is the wellspring of life. God looks on the heart, our Bible tells us. Now, true Christian parenting, then, will engage the heart. Of course, we want well-behaved children who are pleasant to be around, of course. But as Ted Tripp says, a change of behavior that does not proceed from the heart is not commendable, but condemnable. Now, we also know that God, only God, can transform the heart. So we want to use the tools that he provides and tells us to use. So we must go to the scriptures. We'll have three headings this morning, if you're a note taker. The first, and they'll follow the text, the first is the Father's authority. That's number one, the Father's authority. Like James started with the first word, I am too, fathers, fathers. Let's stop. Now I want to qualify this. The mothers are included in this by implication. Now, not directly. Uh, so that even, even the, 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 the mother, even if there's a godly husband in the home who's leading the family in a biblical, uh, Christ-like manner, uh, the, the mother is still responsible to supplement the father's leadership in parenting. And in most cases, the mother is going to be around the kids more than the father. And so these, these things do apply. Sometimes there isn't a godly man who's leading the home. And, and so they, they take on then the responsibility to see that, that, that Christ is honored in the home and that, 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 that the method we're going to employ is going to honor Christ. Fathers are addressed because they are the leaders of the home. God has... In his world, three spheres of authority. The first, the family, the church, and the state. They have their leadership, and their leaders all look directly to God for leadership. In other words, the state does not have authority to jump in and tell you how you're going to parent, how you're going to raise your kids, how you're going to educate your kids. They don't have authority to do that. Nothing wrong with public schools or anything like that in situations, I understand that. That's not my point. But the point is, is the father. The father is addressed as the head of the home because he is the leader of the home. And he is to look to God alone for instructions how that's to be carried out. Again, the Lord has invested the father with authority in the home. First Corinthians 11.3 says the, the father is the head of the woman, of his wife. The, 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 the male is the head of a woman. 
So there's authority to lead. Now, James is right in that day. Uh, uh, Roman, uh, Roman, there was something called patria potestas. And that meant that the, the father had absolute authority in the home to execute any kind of discipline, punishment that he wanted to do. And it wasn't uncommon for a father to, if a child was being disobedient, to just wreck that child. Just, just, I mean, beat the tar out of that child. And it wasn't even looked upon bad in that society. We would call that abuse, of course. In that day, that was the problem. Today, I would say we've gone, we've got the other side, right? I would say it's more uh, uh, passive fathers who are advocating their authority to the wives and, and just leaving them to raise the kids and to establish discipline and all these things. I would say that's more of our problem today. But it is the husband who's called to get out in front and lead his family and make sure his family is operating biblically. It is the father's responsibility before God to do that. And of course, he's going to do that in a Christ-like loving way, as James said. But parental authority, now again, bringing the wife in too because she's a part of this. She's a parent. She has parental authority as well. It is a derived authority. They don't have ultimate authority. In other words, they're, they're going to rule as parents under the authority of God. God is the ultimate authority. It's a derived authority. Remember, we must remember this. God has given you children to be raised for him. Ultimately, they belong to him. Ezekiel 16, verse 20 and 21, the Lord says this. He says, you slaughtered my children. Now, in the context there, Israel's apostasy in which they were practicing child sacrifice like the pagans around them, and God says, you're slaughtering my children. They're his at the end of the day. You're a steward. Yes, they're your kids, but they've been given to you on a stewardship. They're ultimately his. They ultimately belong to him. It is a derived authority. It is a stewardship. It is an ambassadorial authority. You're to represent God to your children. You are to see yourself as God's servant in a ministry to his children. But you are, listen, you are to assert your will over your parents or over your children's will. You are to do that. You are to teach them what good authority looks like. And help them understand that you too are under authority. They need to learn that you do what you do. You lead them how you're leading. You discipline them how you're disciplining them because you're under God's authority and God tells you to do it. We need to sell this, mom and dad. We need to sell this to our children, this, this whole model. And we need to teach them. We need to teach them. Listen, God has gifted you, child, with parents who love you, godly parents who love you and are Christian. We're teaching you about God. God has given you a great gift, his love. He's showering his love upon you by giving you parents to guide and direct and lead you in their life. And we need to sell that to our children. And we need to sell authority is a good thing. This is where they learn authority. They spend about a, a quarter of their life under your authority. 
and there to learn from you that authority is good, that I'm blessed when I honor authority, when I'm under it and I submit to it, I'm blessed. They're, they're to be learning those kind of lessons. And God is the one who establishes authority. Therefore, when we honor that authority and you teach your children, when you honor that authority, you're honoring God. How do I serve God? Sometimes kids will be like, I, I'm a Christian, how do I serve God? What do I do? I, you know, the first thing you need to do is learn to, to obey mommy and daddy as God's, as God's gift to you, to lead you and guide you. And when you do that, you're obeying, you're obeying God. Now, of course, uh, the parent's authority stops at sin. You can't have your kids sin or anything like that. Today we have a, a problem, and again, I, I kind of alluded to it. We have a problem of parents, and, I, and parents, I'm, I'm including both here, giving away authority. We're giving away authority. The Duke of Windsor, I've used this illustration in the past, but it's so powerful, I think. The Duke of Windsor, when he came to America, he, what impressed him most about the country, he was asked, what, what impressed you most about America? And here's what he said. The way American parents obey their children. That's what impressed him most. And this is so true. In many ways, parents are giving away their authority. When the three-year-old doesn't want to wear the blue shirt you set out for him, and you give in, okay, wear what you want. Guess what you've done? You've given away your authority. When the child's at the restaurant, you see this all the time, right? The little kid, he starts wandering away from the table, and the parents say, no, you get back here, get back here. You're not doing that. And he stops, looks, takes one step back, and he acts like he's just going to hang out there. And says, okay, you can stay there. Just don't go any further. Well, there's a battle going on. He just, you just gave away your authority. And, and, and this stuff is true. And maybe we think that's a, it is a little thing. And the world doesn't understand. If you, you know, I said to come back here. You do that right now, or, or you're going to be, you know, you know don't, don't warn. You should just have a system like, at my word, you obey, or there's consequences. We learned that you don't do that. Now, the world doesn't understand that, but, but Christians who are trying to minister to the heart and trying to bring them up in a Christian worldview and understand the authority, this is important. We understand this. Listen, if we're starting to give away all of our authority at table, eat your carrots. Got to eat this many carrots before you get up and have dessert. I don't like carrots. Sit there for 10 minutes. I ain't eat my carrots. Okay, you can have dessert what did we just do? We just gave away our authority. And listen, br- brothers and sisters, listen. If we're going to do that all through the years, listen, when they're 17 and she walks down the stairs wearing next to nothing, looking like a harlot, don't be surprised. What happened? That's what parents are going to What happened? And you say, you're not going out like that. And she says, oh, see you later, out the door. What happened? You gave away your authority when they needed to learn it. It's a lot easier, a lot easier to train the two, the three, the four, the five-year-old about authority, and that's good, than the 17-year-old. It's a lot easier 
Most all of us want enjoyable teenagers, compliable, enjoyable teenagers that, that, we don't, that don't, don't do that. And, but listen, it all starts with them buying in to a, parent, a parental authority that's good and that's a blessing for them. And it needs to be instilled in those early years. Now, the authority the parents have is a balanced authority. And so this is my second heading, the, the father's balance. Now, authority needs to be balanced with love. William Gouge said, the fountain of a father's duties is love. The fountain of a father's duties is love. Without love, much of our child training will be, it'll just be clanging symbols. Without love, their children will likely throw a lot of it off when they leave the house. You can have a biblical theology of parenting. You can say, I did this because it was biblical. But if you don't have love, the fruit will not be sweet. If it is not done in love, we have to fall into the warning given here. Look at me and at the warning. He goes on, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Now, in the, again, in the Roman world, I just, just remind you what we talked about. And it, 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 the father's authority was very harsh and abusive and, and way too strong. And the Lord, the Lord is telling us right here, listen, that is not appropriate for one who's going to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is not appropriate for a Christian father. When we correct, when we admonish, when we rebuke, when we discipline, it needs to be done in love. Our discipline should reflect the gospel. It adorns the gospel. We could list a number of ways that we provoke children to anger. But it boils down to this. Listen, Parenting must spring from love for these children. It must be just. Just. And that's where love, love will see to that, that it's just, that it's right. And not out of anger. Not when angry. Now, I know that's just sometimes difficult at times. Some of us have failed here. Probably most of us. But we must repent if this is a problem when we do it. The parent, when we discipline, we're saying, child has lost discipline. They've lost self-discipline. They've lost constraint. They've dropped self-control. And they've committed this act. And now I'm going to spank them. But I'm not disciplining myself in it. I'm let loose like a cannon. And I'm out of control. And I'm not controlling my anger. And yet I'm disciplining the child because they're being undisciplined. You know, we need to see that as hypocritical. We must exercise self-control and discipline when we're correcting the, 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 the failure of that with our children. And, and listen, brothers and sisters, this is hard, I know, but we must be consistent. We must be consistent. One day, the child getting away with anything. The next, 
Dad wakes up in a bad mood, and the kid, before the kid gets out of bed, he's getting spanked. You know, that, that kind of inconsistency leaves children confused. They don't know where their lines are. They don't get it. They see it. This is produces anxiety in children, fear. It's not a stable, solid environment. It can breed emotional stability and provoke them to anger. The right method for Christian parenting is, let's just read the rest of the verse, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is my third heading, the Father's training. And discipline. Today, spanking is out of style. In the 21st century, it's not popular. But listen, we're told in the Bible not to be taken captive to human tradition, human philosophy, human opinion, but we're to be captive by Christ, Christ's word, Christ's ways. And so when Proverbs 13, 24 says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him, that's still true in 2023. still true. Love for children corrects. Hate, he equates hate with not disciplining, not, not with sparing the rod. He equates hate with that. Why? Because the, it, when you spare the rod when, the, when it's needed, uh, the consequences of that will be disastrous for that child. Loving parents spank their children. Self-love keeps us from doing this, from disciplining children. The person who takes God at his word, loves God more than his child, and you need to, will actually be able to really love the child in a higher way. Just like James said, the, the man who loves his God first before his wife, his, as that love for God ascends, so will his love for his wife ascend. As your love for God ascends, your love for children underneath that, as your love for God ascends, so will that love for your children ascend as well. Discipline, you know, when the child, the child is meant to live under that good, kind authority of parents, that loving authority of parents that protects them. And when they get out of that, when they live outside of that authority, they become in a place of not blessing. And, and the promise is tied to children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. You'll live long in the land if you do, because life gets hard when you come out of that authority and you don't learn that. And so the blessing then is for the parent to bring them under, back under the authority. That's the loving blessing thing to do, because that's the place of blessing. That's when kids are happy and content and their hearts are at peace and rest, and there's stability there when they're living under that authority. Children, when they're not, they get obnoxious. They get, they, they, they get harder to be around the older they get. They, get. they get rebellious in their attitude, and it's not going to go well for them. 
And, they, and if they're gods, they may, God may bring them back, but it may be through some really hard, painful lessons in life. So, uh, the loving parent, that's why I say the loving parent does discipline their children. It's loving to do so. Well, don't timeouts do the same thing? And listen, I'm just going to say this. It's not God's design. We need to be careful that we don't replace God's wisdom for human wisdom, for man's wisdom. Uh, The timeout, go to your room. If that's all the discipline is, I had a friend growing up, good friends until about eighth grade, and then we kind of went different ways in high school. But up until eighth grade, lived about a block away, good friends. He was literally grounded over half the time of his life up until eighth grade. And everybody knew it. And it was, it was like the moment he got out of under being grounded, you can't do anything for three months. Well, the, the, that day he got out, Guess what happened? He'd go back to the same behavior until he got caught again, and then he went back into the grounding again. What happened? Why? His heart never got dealt with. He was, his heart was in the same shape three months later than it was the three months prior it's in the same shape. It's the same heart. It never got dealt with. So we should not expect when he comes out of uh, grounding jail, and he, now he can, he's just going to go right back to the same behavior. It, it, it's, it makes sense in a Christian worldview. Listen, if discipline is, is done properly, the child is brought to repentance and reconciled to the parent's authority. And it's all over. The child then can be reconciled to the parent's authority. There's repentance. There's restoration. After the discipline is over, they can walk out smiling and with free conscience. There's no guilt anymore. There's no, there's no hey, the next three months we're going to hammer you. With, your guilt's going to be on you for three months, and hopefully it'll change you. No, that thing's not going to change you. You need to be reconciled under your parent's authority. That's the, that's the goal at the heart, at the heart. And so you don't need to be grounded for three months. If you've been reconciled under your parents' authority and there's been repentance, the change of heart has happened, right? You don't need that. Now, I, I, I want to say that I think there's probably, I just say this, well, is, is timeouts wrong? I'll say no, it's not wrong. But I'm a Bible guy and I, I want to find my methods in the Bible. And I will just say this too, that, that sometimes if you're doing these other things and you're bringing heart reconciliation and you're dealing with the heart and the gospel and you're bringing them under your authority, there can be a, la- a loss of privileges and things that maybe looks like grounding and you know we practice some of that, but that, that can't be the tool. That, that can't be the thing. Because that's not going to get it done. And in true biblical discipline, when the, 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 the offense has been dealt with, there's, there's, uh, there is repentance of the heart brought back under the child's authority. The gospel, the blessings of the gospel need to be ministered to, and it's the gospel then that changes the heart and life. 
Let's talk about some just practical steps. Listen, when you're disciplining, take them to a private place, not in public, not in front of the whole family. That also gives you time to collect your thoughts as you get there. A lot of, a lot of parents have a, a place, like a bathroom. That's where I do the discipline. By the time I get there, the child gets there, I've got my thoughts collected, I'm, I'm, I'm under discipline with myself, controlled. Let them know what they did wrong. They've got to be able to see it. If there's going to be repentance at the heart level, they've got to see what they did wrong. And that may take a while. It sometimes is taxing and, and, and time-consuming and takes a long time to work through it. But that's what you want. You want them to understand. And you may bring God's word into it. Of course, you should if it's, if it's directly related. And then... A lot of times the discipline of the, the rod will need to be applied. And some children take more broad applications than other children. Ted Tripp says this. Let's, he says, let them know how many times they'll expect the treatment of the rod. It also helps you. If you're, if you're attempting to be angry... You're not just going to keep going. You, you realize, hey, this is going to, this child, it takes about two to bring them to repentance. Two. And maybe you got one that's soft as a, you know, uh, just wilts under everything, and you're like, just one. And you just, tink, and you, they're weeping and they're repentant. And but some kids, you know, it, it takes more, right? So they know what to expect as well. So the child knows what to expect. I think it's, 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 it's right. It's good. And it, it may take more. You know, sometimes it's like, okay, you're still not sweet enough. You know, we, we, we haven't been reconciled here. You're still out here. Uh, so it may take more. Or if they're holding on to the lie. No, no, no. I, I didn't do anything wrong. Oh, really? Okay. We're going to start with two. How you doing now? Are you ready to tell the truth? No, no. Look, I saw you. I heard it. Okay, two more. You know, the, 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 the idea is, is I'm going to apply the rod until I get repentance. Because that's what I'm after. I'm after, the, I'm after their blessing. Do you understand that? I want the child to be in the place of blessing, brought under Practically, you know, don't try to spank through a diaper. You know, it. it, it uh. And the reason the Bible uses the rod, talks about the rod, and historically Christians have used a rod. Now, I know in our day that that's taboo. I get that, but but it's actually it's actually a, a, a more humane approach. The hand, if most a lot of parents can find out that if they use their hand, it can bruise. It can bruise. It. The rod was actually a flimsy stick-like thing that had whip in it, and so it would just sting, sting. You know, no damage. You know, on that bottom, there's no organs in there. You know, sometimes you go to a good doctor and they'll tell you, "Hey, that bottom, there's nothing in there. There's no organs. There's not like a kidney there. Uh, that that's God's design, and somehow that heart is connected to that bottom somehow. But uh, that that little pump, little bottom, and 
the most, the most humane, loving thing I think you can do is just apply some stinging without any bruising, without any lasting, just a stinging pain. And the gospel has to be there, the gospel. You know, aren't you glad, aren't you glad Jesus always obeyed his mommy and daddy? Aren't you glad Jesus never lied? He did that for us. You know, if you trust in him, you get credit for him always obeying your mommy and daddy. Isn't that good news? Yes, that's good news. So when we trust in Jesus, God cleanses us of all of our sins, and that sin was punished on Jesus. Isn't that such good news? And they're ready to walk out smiling and run to the other kids and play, and the guilt is gone. Their conscience is free and cleansed. It's so good. If they're little, hold them till they're done crying. Maybe lead them in a prayer of forgiveness to God. How old? Well, when you know they're, some people say when you know they know the word no. When, when they start to know the word no, that's the best time to start. The sooner you can detect that and get on it, the easier it will be. But never, never when they're not defiant. Never when they're not defiant. So you got to know. You got to know they know the word no. Well, when do we stop? Is there an age? I don't, there's no age in the Bible. I don't know. I bet by the time they're in high school, you better have them, you better have them trained up. Uh, you know. The, the rod works best when they're very young. That's, that's when they need to learn. If you're consistent at five years old, if you're really consistent and faithful at five years old, more times than not, the bulk of your work will be done in bringing them under your authority. I'm talking about the discipline part of it, of course. After that, then you got instruction takes over, right? Less discipline, more instruction. We're going to get to that in a minute, but, but then there's a lot more instruction that takes over. You're not done parenting or anything like that. But, you know, some people say, you know, Well, let's, let's, let's say this. Let's say we're out there today and you haven't been doing this. Haven't been doing that. Haven't been faithful. And Angie, Angie and I had a little family moment this week. And we're like, right in front of the kids. Like, wow, this has been good to, to re, rethink about this. And, and I had to confess to the kids. Uh, you know, I, can do, I need to do better. I need to do better before God. And, and Angie, right in front of the kids, said, yeah, this is really helpful, you know, this is good. And we know that's good. This is God's word. This is God's will. It's good. And, but if you're like, there, I haven't been doing this. Listen, the best thing to do is have a family meeting. And James says, don't have a family. Don't, don't, do, don't take it to your wife. Apply his instruction. But, but if we haven't been applying this, I say have a family meeting. Get the kids and say, listen, that's what God says. I'm under God's authority, and God's wanting me to, 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 to do some things. I haven't been doing and applying, and, and I need to be more faithful. And so here's what you can expect. 
Here's what you can expect. Lay it out for them very clearly. Don't just start activating it without talking to them in this area. That isn't, so let them know. A lot of teaching. Then, then say, this is what we're going to start doing. And they'll learn fast. You know, sometimes a parent will say, boy, I'll be spanking all the time. If, if it's at my word, if, if, if I've got to bring them to teach them to, 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 to be under my authority at my word, the two-year-old, I say, come here, and he does, I'm going to be spanking all the time. And Yeah, it might feel like that for a while. It might. It might. But when it's done faithfully, consistently, over years, it results in good fruit. Some two, three, four, five-year-olds need a lot of attention and loving. And tell them, boy, I'm loving on you a lot today. You're getting lots of love from daddy today. This is love. That's what God says. God says in the world that love disciplines the child. So I'm loving you a lot today. I don't feel it. Well, it's true. Because God's word is more true than our feelings. How could I do this to this little... This little one, it seems so cruel. And how can I bring them under that pain to discipline them? Listen, don't you think it's cruel to allow a child to continue on in a practice that will lead to their harm? Spiritually, is much worse than physical. We as Christians know that that's true. Isn't that cruel? Love corrects. Love corrects. Abuse. Now let's just make a qualification. I am not advocating for any kind of abuse. It should never happen. Never happen. Excessive discipline can cause children to be hardened and angry and reject your good authority. It must be fair and it must be controlled. Now, I know parents who will take the little rod and they'll do, practice it on themselves real good and they'll try to get it just right. You know, this is the kind of sting I'm looking for. And, and then, I, then, I, then I apply that sting. That, that, that's, that's not abuse. That's not abuse. That's, that's God's method. People who justify lashing out on their children in anger and excessive discipline and call it Bible are out of bounds. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not biblical. That's an abuse of parental authority. Instruction. The next, the next part there, the next big word there, to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, with a two-year-old, there's not a lot of instruction. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Daddy said, you didn't obey. This is what we do, God says right? Something like that. As they get older, there's more instructions needed. It just climbs and climbs and climbs. And actually, as they get older, the discipline part recedes and recedes and recedes, and there comes a point where hopefully by the time you're in high school, it's just pretty much instruction all the time. Trying the gospel, dealing with the hearts through the instruction. Proverbs is packed with wisdom on communication and dealing with with these kind of things. And we want on, ongoing di- dialogue with your children. Hope they come to you and talk to you. They, 
hopefully by the time they get older, they recognize your authority is good and mom and dad know some things. And this idea that mom and dad don't know anything. And 22, when I got 22, mom and dad started getting smarter. That, that, isn't, that shouldn't be happening in a Christian home. Because they should be being trained that, that in God's wisdom, and they should be recognized God's good authority in your parents. They, they should grow up actually the opposite. Yeah, mom and dad, pretty, pretty wise in these things. I, I go to you and want your opinion, want your counsel. That's influence, isn't it? You want influence when they're in high school. You don't just want raw authority. You want influence. So, so when they come to you and every decision they make, they're like, hey, what do you think, mom and dad? And then they actually listen to you and take your counsel. That's what you want. That's more powerful. And that's what you're trying to get at. And so we want to learn to talk. We want to talk to them, listen to them. We ask good questions. We learn to ask what, 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 why, how questions, you know, when you hit your sister with the tractor, why'd you do that? You know, what were you trying to accomplish by not telling your brother we were having ice cream? What were you thinking? Why, why did you do that? Proverbs 25 says this, the purpose of a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. That's what you're trying to do as parents. Their hearts are like deep water, and you're trying to draw out the motives the idols, you're trying to draw that out and then bring the blessings of the gospel to minister to that. That's what you're trying to do. So when the, the boy, you know, you, after school shopping, you go to Walmart, you buy some things and he runs over by the coats because he hasn't got a winter coat yet. His other coat's too small and he looks at this coat at Walmart and he thinks, boy, that's a pretty nice coat and Fits really good. Looks like it's warm. Mom, can I, can I have this? My other coat's too small. Yeah, mom says, you know, we're on a budget, but hey, I can afford that. That's, that's a reasonably priced coat. You like it? Yeah, I really like it. Okay. They go home. It starts getting cold, and he notices when Tommy wore the same coat. Tommy ended up with the same coat. The kids started making fun of him, right? Walmart. Walmart kid buys his clothes at Walmart. They start making fun of him. All of a sudden, he doesn't want to wear that coat. And mom says, why aren't you wearing that coat? Well, you know, when Tommy wore that coat, they made fun of him. They called him Walmart Kid. And there's a chance, right? Here's a chance to bring the blessings of, of the gospel to what's in the heart. Well, okay, so, but you liked that coat, and you thought it would be warm, and you know our budget. Yeah, but I don't... So the fear of what these boys are going to say has altered what you think is good and cool and right and you're not thankful anymore for this coat what's going on here and you expose the idol there's an idol of the fear of man in the heart and it's driving this child and their decisions and you're bringing that up right you're bringing that up to the front and then you can minister the the truths of the gospel to that we all we all need to be learning to do this with ourselves even And then you're freed up, right? The, the, then the gospel frees us up to just live for God and his glory and be thankful for the coat my parents provided for me. I'm thankful. And you know what? If they don't think that's cool, that's okay. That's okay. I, I'm not living for, to be cool. I'm living for God. And that frees us up. And you freed that child up. 
So every time there's a problem, a fight among siblings, child comes home late, the two-year-old throws a fit, see these as opportunities and moments for grace. That's how we need to see this. This is an, this is an opportunity for grace. Opportunities to bring the blessings of the gospel into the lives of my children. We get so frustrated and we get so impatient and we're like, ah, just, I don't want to, but we got to keep, keep realizing, though, this is an opportunity to minister the gospel, the graces of the gospel to our children. We must remember, parents, only God can produce heart change in our children. Only God, only God can produce real fruit in the lives of our children. So we have to trust him. We're called to be faithful tools in God's hands so that he can work great things in the hearts of our children. But methods do matter. I hope, I hope I've communicated that. Methods do matter. As we live under the lordship of Christ, we want to, bring our, we want to make sure our methods are biblical. They're pleasing to him. And we want to be tools that God can use. And you know what? God says he blesses obedience to his word. He blesses obedience to his word, and that applies to parents. So as parents try to mind the wisdom of God's word and then apply that in our parenting, God is going to bless that. He promises to do it. Let's pray for his help in that. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to look at this subject and how vital it is.